Hi there. This is Alkali Lake and Zarkis, and you're listening to Top Five Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top Five Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master Disaster, Josh Forty Five. What's up? And CBS. Hi, everybody. Uh, so today we are doing uh, seeds episode number one twenty six. You always so you always seem like you're asking me, and it's like every <laughs> week, every time we do one of these, you're like asking me, and I've only been a part of these for maybe twenty episodes. I'd have to go back and see how far back that goes. What well, in fact is episode twenty six. Uh see so today we're gonna be talking about uh let's just do the zero hour thing or let's or let's just like do the DC or whatever, just like zero it out. Be like, screw it, we're just starting all over again. <laughs> Episode one. I don't know, seven years of doing this is too. No, I can't. How do you think all those people fill in all the universes when yeah, that's been done a million times? We gotta wait till ten years though. So DC does it like every ten years. We don't have to wait till we do anything. I'm just saying, if we're doing it like DC, it's every ten years. Retcon everything. Well, it's, you're no longer CBS. We're not popular enough to do that. Now you're bad mama jamma. Camel Man, or you know, I don't know why I have to be a Camel Man, but I do like Bam Bam and Jamma. I was just hard to say though. I'm just coming up with something on the fly. All right, all right. Camels are very hardy and enduring animals. You should be proud of that. Conan got punched by one. No, Conan punched one. Conan punched one. Yeah. Or Conan punched one. Conan. Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian, not Conan the TV guy. I could see Conan possibly. I could too. He's, camel as well. He's, he's tall enough and he's bouty enough to do it. I believe it. Ginger's a bounty. I could see anybody punching a camel across the, across the universe. Just everyone. Okay. Why not? It's cruelly to animals, bro. Yeah. But like I was listening to this thing the other day. It's just like at no point in time, you know, when like they find find out that your neighbor's a serial killer, they're like, I could have never seen it coming. It's just like I could see it coming with anybody. Like it'd be like, oh, I can't believe you found out your mom's a serial killer. Like I can <laughs> you could always see it coming. Everybody has the the cap the capacity to snap. You know what I mean? I can't totally disagree with that. There you go. About my mom or about everything? I mean both. That's messed up, man. Mom's <laughs> a nice kidding. lady. Mom's a nice lady. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all all jokes. All jokes. Are we doing any interviews tonight? Uh, we do. We have a we have an interview with um, Preston Powler. Uh, he's the writer of uh, White Lily. Um, he's got another book about a magic shoot. I can't remember the other book's called. White Lily is the one is his main book, but he's got a second book that I, number one's already come out. But I don't remember the name of it. Um, yeah, so we got an interview with him from the Colorado Springs Comic Con um, here a couple months back. So 2019 for those of you playing at home. Uh, but yeah, uh, his book White Lily, we chit chat with him a little bit. He's got a Kickstarter open on. Uh, Actually, I think the Kickstarter opens on Monday, actually, for issue four of the series. So, I definitely suggest checking that out. Uh, art's been fantastic. Story itself is good. Issue one's great. Uh, so, yeah, we'll run that after we do the uh, the books. Uh, as far as books, so today we're going to be doing uh, Harleen number one, and then Contagion number one, and then 
Gnomen Omen, number one, from Image. And that's followed by Spider-Verse, number one. And we were wrapping up with a little, going over a little bit of the uh, Tells of the Dark Universe. I think that's how, yeah, Tells from the Dark Universe, Death of Superman, number one. Which uh, we, we both got the preview, I copied that a few weeks before uh, actual release. So yeah, we'll chit-chat about that a little bit. Which so is be, when? And when's that come out? Uh, the actual release date for it is the 30th of October. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, kind of cool. Get to check that out a little early, so that was awesome. Um, so before we do all that, uh, I want to do some uh, news. Sure. A little, little bit of news. From the comic book world, and this weekend is the uh, New York Comic Con, so there's all kinds of blah blah coming out of that. Um, but as far as uh, neat things, uh, we picked a couple things to talk about. So, and there's more even today that's being dropped, and then tomorrow there's a few uh, panels that are supposed to announce things too. So, with all that in mind, it's just a crazy bunch of crazy. A crazy bunch of crazy. That's one way to look at it, I guess. Uh, so, uh, one of the first pieces we we heard about is Disney and Viz Media are going to be teaming up to do a uh, couple manga adaptions of books. Uh, so, we're going to be getting a Star Wars release titled The Legend of Skywalker. Uh, it's supposed to come out shortly after... Well, it didn't have a date on it, actually. It's supposed to come out after the the new Rise of Skywalker movie. So, as far as the thing, they're doing that, and I guess they're doing a Frozen 2 the legend, book? The Legends of Luke Skywalker. Legends of Luke Skywalker. Yes, that's true. Legends of Luke Skywalker. So, that, I mean, that should be interesting. We've seen... Uh, Star Wars manga come out before, back when it was with Dark Horse, so it'll be interesting to see what this winds up being. I mean, the couple little pictures of art they showed were cool, but as a thing, that should be neat. Uh, DC also released that they were going to be doing a batch of uh, 100-page giants again, and I'm pretty sure these coincide with the stuff from Walmart, so it'll be like a batch of news story at the beginning and then a bunch of reprint, which, depending on what you have and don't have, that could work to your benefit. Uh, one of those we're going to be getting is uh, DC War Stories, and that one is promising as an eight-page story from Jim Lee and Brad Meltzer. So uh, Jim Lee drawing a war story, which that should be pretty cool. I mean, everything Jim does is amazing when we actually get it, so that should be really cool, I think, just as a thing. But yeah, the 100-page war stories, I want to say uh, all the 100-page specials are four ninety nine at this point. So... Uh, I mean, yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, make sure to mention it to your retailer, I guess. Uh, then we also found out, and this is kind of cool, that uh, the God of Thunder will have a new look, along with a new writer and artist, for the new Thor Ongoing series. Uh, we're going to have writer Donnie Cates and uh, the artist Nick uh, Klein, 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 taking over, and it's supposed to be a story about Thor taking over as the King of Asgard. So, like... They just put out this first issue, I think, is the only one else. Yeah, first issue is the only one else so far of King Thor. And so King Thor is supposed to be a setup, I guess, for like what the future is like. So I guess this book is supposed to lead us there eventually. But the main thing that's crazy about it is that we're moving away from our previous batch of writers and moving on to Donny Cates, who's just super popular. So um, I think that's really cool. Not that the other stuff's been bad, it's just Cates is so hot right now that, that uh, him playing with Thor should be really cool. Jason Aaron stuff's been great, so it'll be interesting to see what the shift is there with with the two of them switching places. Uh, then we also found out that 
Chris Claremont is supposed to be getting some secret project that, other than them just mentioning him doing something, there wasn't anything else they said about it. So, Chris Claremont has a secret project sometime next year at Marvel. Uh, good luck, I guess. Uh, they also made a couple announcements about Paper Girls uh, from Image. It's Brian K. Vaughn's uh, Paper Girls. Apparently, it's got a deal with uh, Amazon to turn out a show. So I guess we'll see what that is about. I mean, at this point, the only person they have attached to it is uh, Stephanie Falson, who was part of the group that did Toy Story 4. So I guess she's writing the pilot episode, and Kayvon said it was going to be different than the books for the TV series, but they plan to keep the heart of the story. So I guess we'll see what that really means. Paper Girls is cool. I mean, as far as a a book, it takes place in the 80s at the beginning, and then there's a lot of time travel, and... It's it's actually freaking awesome, so it'll be cool to see what they do with that, but adaption-wise, if they're saying that the bat's not going to be the same as the book, it's kind of questionable. But if Kayvon's still involved in it, it should be fine. So that's neat. Did you ever read Paper Girls, Josh? No. Okay. I flipped through it, but <clears throat> I like the art. I like the Andy like, hip, hipness of it. But... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they keep... I mean, one of the cool things is this color palette, so if we can... See that transferred into a show, I think that'd be cool. It's girls' goonies with time travel, so awesome. Um, well, last little bits I had. So Valiant made an announcement they're going to be putting out a Bloodshot issue zero to coincide with the Vin Diesel movie in February. Uh-huh. So they didn't say anything about who was writing, writing it or art on it or what it was. There's a picture, and the Bloodshot looks a little more like Diesel, I guess. I mean, not doesn't look like a straight-up Diesel, but similar. So, that's cool. Um, so, I guess pay attention to that, guys, because if that's going to be the future of it, then that's where it'll start, I guess. And Bloodshot is one of the cooler, like, I don't know, I, I always liked Bloodshot. He was just like a really cool-looking Punisher with a crazy red symbol on his chest. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that is. And as far as action movies are concerned, I mean, that's what Diesel does. So, I guess we'll see where it goes, because if it does well... Fast and Furious... Bloodshot. I mean, it's kind of the idea. I mean, as far as a thing, they made a deal with Sony for six movies, so Bloodshot's the first one, and then after that, I guess we'll see where it goes. So, yeah. So, also at the New York Comic Con, the X-Men are in the midst of their biggest change in 20 years, and the panel revealed that Don of X was going to just take them drastically forward. But you know, I've kind of getting t- I've been tired of hearing how the next big arc is taking the X Men drastically forward so many times. So I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, the Power and House have both been great, and like the the dude they have working on it. Um, shoot, why can't I remember his name? It's not Jason Aaron. Shoot. Yeah, I probably said the good dude's name all day, and I can't remember it. Hmm, it'll come back to me. But Power and House of X have both been, they've both been good, and like, they bring a lot of readers back to it, so like, I can't think that, Jonathan Hickman, that's the name. God, see, it took a minute. So, it, Hickman's writing the two of the books, the six books that are launching, he's writing X-Men, and he's writing New Mutants. And then we're gonna have an X-Force, a book called Marauders, uh, Fallen Angels is returning as a title. Uh, Excalibur. I feel like there's one more. 
Uh, I don't remember what the other one is. But as far as, like, series are concerned, all of them are going to start in the next two months, and at least right now they're all look, looking to be set up as a single, single month, single issues a month? Monthlies? Monthlies, that's how you say it. <laughs> so out of control. It's funny because this is one of those situations that's perfect for comic books because he he's going to turn something off for sure. So first appearances of of a character is always a, seems like the like if it's a, an interesting character they always appears in something else right like not their own book oh yeah so like Captain is appearing like Link's appearance was in. The Never Been Done podcast, right? And he was just—he was just Link, and we, you know, we tragically lost Link back in May, and he was on this podcast and the Never Been Done podcast as well. But uh, we also have this new dude named Captain, and he is just being a maniac tonight, and it was just jumping on the soundboard. So we'd like to formally introduce Captain as a member of the uh, Top Five Comics family. He's just—he's <laughs> a crazy maniac, and uh, oh yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm walking all the buttons that matter. Yeah, I think he only turned off. I guess he puts Phantom Power on you. Yeah, there you go. So you probably heard like a weird clip or something. But so Captain he, is a, uh, Captain's here and he's. <laughs> my gosh. He's here to mess, mess things up. You're gonna try to mess up my day, aren't you, buddy? He does what he wants. S- silly, silly beast. He's the captain. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Alright, well. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. The reboot cover may reveal the new team roster. Um, have you s- you've probably seen it. I don't know if anybody else necessarily has, but it's got, um, it has, uh, Peter, Peter Quill, Peter Rocket, Quill, Star-Lord, yeah. Nova, um, Quasar. Looks like very poorly drawn, like, her face is real old lady rough. Um, Captain Marvel, like, and it it looks rough to me. I mean, it's like, or or it's a, it's a guy. I don't know. I oh, know that's definitely a dude. But it's Captain Marvel, though. I think I can't I be sure about, about that. They're they're one. They're nestled, nestled in the back corner behind everybody else. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is actually. But and then Moon Dragon. So yeah, we've had Moon Dragon show back up in a couple of random books recently. So yeah, and she she usually comes with Quasar, don't Generally. she? Um, but anyway, it's a new ongoing. I'm not sure. Uh, it starts in 2020. So yeah, so Donny Cates' run is going to wrap up probably around the same time we see the Absolute Carnage end, and after that, we know he's going to move over to Thor. So this is just be a new team taking over after him, and like. Book-wise, Surfer is a mini, which is one of the other ones he's doing. So I guess we'll see how that coincides with everything else. But the cast in there, half it looks like the cast in the book right now. And then a couple random other people. So, yeah, we'll be interested to see what that winds up being. But as far as Guardians, they seem to shift cast pretty regular lately. And so, quick question. Like, I'm a little bit out of the loop, but... I guess there's like a big thing with Hulk going on. So I guess this is a spoiler if anybody knows is bef- heads up, but um, I guess like the new um, Hulk in the Immortal Hulk number one, Absolute Carnage is 
supposed to supposed to start bringing things back back to the original like Hulk supposedly. Well, yeah, the Immortal Hulk's been it's been very I know very horror story esque the way the story's been written. It's been really cool and it's just it's super popular. Uh, but they did do a one-shot Immortal Hulk, uh, Absolute Carnage, and in there we get some stuff that changes with the Hulk again. So, as far as shape for the rest of it, that's what they're saying it's gonna be. Um, that issue came out, gosh, I think last week? Two weeks ago? It doesn't matter, when you're listening to this, who knows? But yeah, as far as the thing, yeah, we're gonna have a shake-up again with the Hulk, and I guess we'll see if it gets to be more back to, like, status quo or not, because this whole thing that's been going on with Hulk, he, uh, that series is called Immortal Hulk because even if Banner dies in the, during the day, Hulk wakes up at night. And the next day he's back to being Banner. So he only changes the night, which is crazy, but it's also been very, uh, I don't know, almost like werewolf rules except with the Hulk. And we saw a lot of changes with other characters too because we've had Betty Ross die, we've had a whole handful of people that have been gamma infused. And when they come back, they don't always come back the same. And it's it's been pretty crazy. Like, uh, changed abomination, this whole second face thing going on. It's, yeah, it's been wild. Uh, Incredible Hulk, or no, not Incredible, sorry, Immortal. Currently they're putting out issue one through six again as director cuts. Uh, the first volume's out, so if you, if you want to get into it, you can. It's not super hard. Um, however, the first prints, the normal series, had at least five prints for the first issue, and then subsequent, like, everything's gotten second printed, even the most recent, number 30, number 23, so it's, it's super popular. Um, art's been good, story's been creepy, so it's, it's been awesome. And then, last but not least, uh, Wolverine, The Wolverine, or Wolverine number one, um, they re- Marvel released the art for Adam Kubert's cover for the upcoming series, which is going to basically, it's going to rotate around, um, Wolverine protecting the island of Krakoa from anybody who wants to invade it and use it, take its resources and yada yada. So, I mean, I would, I would only expect like crazy amounts of violence and insanity that, which Wolverine right. brings with him wherever he goes. So, well, Kubert, like the art, the picture they show is really cool. It so. is, it's a good cover. But. Yeah. And like with, if you're reading House and Power, then you know that the island's been a big part of things. So having a protector for it, I guess, makes sense. I guess we'll see how that works when he's also in like three of the X books. But being it's a standalone, it'll be fine. Wolverine does what he wants. Yeah, I mean, that's what I got. Cool. Um, Joker recently came out. And, uh, as far as, I guess, some point we'll do an episode about that, I guess. Probably with the Never Been Done podcast, so we can do all it up. But it's, uh, it's, it's dark, folks. So, just a warning, I guess. It, it's good, but my, man, it's dark. Uh, anyway, so there's that. I guess we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> so you want to, uh, you want to, want to tell me a story about, uh, about Harleen, Josh? Oh, yeah. So that's the, the Stephen Sidgwick book. From the DC Black Label. The DC Black Label. I don't, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna precurse this with here's two things. When I buy a book, I like to read. So my problem with comics is that I feel like they've gotten shorter and shorter over the years. They put too many ads in. They've lessened things. Print costs have gone up. This blah blah blah. 
But these DC Black books, there's a lot of story. There's a lot going on. It's a really cool read. You pay a little bit more, um, which I don't mind paying a little bit more for. Just like I don't mind paying for a trade. It's fine. I like to read an entire story. Sometimes I don't want to have to wait. I'm a, I'm a, when it comes to television shows, like I'll sit and bent, like binge, like an entire season of something if I need to. But it's easier for me when I read. I like to re- binge read things. Like, and I get frustrated. I'm like, ah, and stop, ah, and stop. But the DC Black, there's more story per issue. So my one issue with this, I know this is ridiculous and silly, but the size. I don't like the size of these, like the the way they're shaped, and not the not the the amount of content, but the shape. Exactly. Yeah, they're a magazine shape, and it's a little weird for me because it it doesn't fit with all your other stuff. Anything else? Yeah. So it's a, it's a weird thing, like, and it's, I mean, everyone that I've flipped through, the art's been incredible, the story's been incredible. You know, the writing, everything's good. Everything's great about it. It's all good. And so I don't, I, I don't, I mean, besides the Batman, like, penis issue, which I think was just ridiculous. I mean, the throw Batman damn number one. Well, That's it what, what you, it was, yeah. Call it what you want. But it's it, the name of the book. But from it, from here until attorney is going to be the Batman, Batman penis issue. But it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. But this book was actually quite... I don't like Harley Quinn, and and not in the way that most people don't like, like don't like or don't like something. I feel like she's been overplayed, and just like the new Joker movie, they try and humanize. They're trying to humanize him in it to an extent, and that frustrates me. But with Harley Quinn, she she deserves to be humanized. I get that. This is kind of like a a year one origin story, so to speak, for her. That's a good, it'd be a good titling. If, that's, if they would have named it that, it would have been equally, equally good. And and it's really well done. Don't get me wrong. It's it's really well done. It goes into her schooling. It goes into everything. It's going to be hard for me to go page by page in this because it's so big. So Well, let me just do a brief overview on everything. It's fine. But the brief overview is, is like it starts with her as um, a budding psychiatrist and her dreams and her, her lack of sleep and... Her craziness and just how she, growing up, she um, just doesn't know what she wants to do in life. And she slowly becomes like, well, I just like to listen to my friend's problems. And um, it, it keeps flashing back to her inability to sleep and her nightmares and things like that. And she's like chatting with – like she goes in front of this medical board and they not, – not necessarily board, but like a presentation, try, people trying to get money for, for their project. And she kind of just – um, falls on deaf ears because she people look at her like we're not gonna be able to make money off this. And if if anybody knows pharmaceutical companies are only a, about Why about making making money? money, and so she can't. And her her whole thing is she wants to find the root. She basically thinks that like insanity is an autoimmune disease for the brain, and so she's trying to map that and figure that out. And so, um. It goes into her history a little bit about how she likes. She's an older man. She had an affair with one of her professors. She got a bad reputation because of it, and people don't respect her. And Lucius Fox shows up, and he's like, "Hey, I'm interested in this project. Uh, Mr. Wayne's interested in this project, and mostly because it's not going to cost them a lot of money, but also because obviously Mr. Wayne is Batman and he wants to try and fix people. Right. So he's all about promoting her work because of what he's trying to do. And like part of her whole presentation is her 
believing that you can find the gene for empathy, like in the brain, and if you can adjust that, then it's not you even fix it's, it. it's not even necessarily the gene. It's that something happens, and it it, it it's like an autoimmune right. sort of where your your brain actually starts att- attacking the part that causes the, the empathetic mm-hmm. parts of your brain, and so like it starts destroying that because things happen. And so she gets, they, they send her to Arkham, they give her all the passes, like, like Bruce, like pulls, like Lucius Fox pulls all the strings, makes it happen. She starts doing research, starts doing interviews. And the one that she keeps avoiding, because she's ran into him on the street one time, and he holds a gun to her head and gives her a second chance, which is weird, because that's not his style. But the one she's avoiding is the Joker. And he's in it, and he's kind of drawn, to me, without the tattoos and stuff, but they still kind of draw him Jared Leto-ish a little bit. Like, his facial features, like, they kind of make him pretty boy Joker a little bit in this one. Yeah, and Steven Sijic always draws everybody with a particular, like... He's a really, really good artist, but he draws everybody very youthful. He did a batch of Aquaman books um, about half a year ago. And, like, even Arthur with uh, the beard and everything still look younger than you'd expect him to. So yeah, it, it is, he does, he does have a pretty boy art style to him. It's fantastic art. But yeah, the Joker doesn't look as rough as you would expect him to. At least style wise. And compared to other artists and other stories, he, he generally doesn't come off as pretty. Well, she goes through, she, she starts watching video of him and video interviews and like, all the times he's lied to all the other doctors and all these kinds of things. And um, finally she finds one that says, it's labeled the real Joker. And it's him saying, it's him yelling at it's a, a victim, basically saying that we're all just animal, kind of animals in a cage that is Gotham. And I'm the only one that's on the outside looking in. And it's just like, it's his, basically his theory of what's going on. And she's like, Oh, I'm, I finally see what he's talking about. And so when she finally gets the, gets the courage and goes in front of him, she just cuts the crap and goes straight to the point and Greg brings it up and he's like, Ooh, this is new. Usually people try and like butter me up first. And she's like, Nope, we're not doing that today. And he's like, All right, call me Jay. And she's like, All right, Mr. Jay, let's get down to business. And that's how it ends. And so that, you know, leading to the next issue. And, you know, it, it was good. Like, I, you know, I, I said I, before I read it, I was like, eh, I like I like to be pleasant and surprised. If I go into something not, I'm like, I'm not going to like this because like Harley Quinn's, like, it's not that I don't like her as a character, it's just she's overplayed right now, I think. It's just too much of her. Everybody's like, oh my man. gosh, she's amazing. She's, uh, it's like, eh, well, she's just been like a, you know, she, she, she popped up and Batman animated series and she wasn't even that popular then and she just is like kind of slowly become the thing that's like this massive hysteria about how amazing Harley Quinn is and I just like she's a cool character but she's not I don't think she's as incredible as everybody makes her out to be me personally that's my opinion it's all opinion based but this book they did a really good job storytelling and I actually really enjoy it and overall I mean I get like a four and a half out of five like the frustrating parts aside, like the size, of the the size of the book, the weird shape of it, but like the art's great, the writing's incredible. Oh, um, Steven Sitchik's really good. Yeah, I I mean I I base my 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 judgments off off writing more than art. Like I can look past bad art or subpar art or whatever because I think that that's I think art is very difficult to 
it, it takes a lot more time and a lot more energy to try and, if you're doing it both yourself, that's one thing. But a lot of times there's a writer and then there's an artist. And so like when you're trying to put those things together, you're trying to draw another person's creation. So like it's difficult. And as writers go, a writer can be like, and then this explosion happened with nine million kittens flew out of space. <laughs> and the artist has responsible for drawing that. So like, right. so like, like reading, if I read it and the writer like takes into consideration those things and, and translates that to where you're, you're not just like having to see the pictures, but you're also like, it's also sparking imagination in your brain as well. But that it, it does all those things. So like, it was incredible. Like I just, the DC black thing is a little weird to me. I think they're, I'm not sure what they're doing, what their whole end game with that is, mm-hmm. but the story and the art I thought were incredible. Both. It was, it was good stuff. So cool. Well, I fall asleep with you and give it a four and a half. Like it was really good. Like, the size thing is still weird, and we've been told recently that they're planning to make most of Black Label go back to normal comic format. But so far, the basic idea of Black Label is this, it's like DC rated R, is what it's supposed to be. So it's written more for an adult audience. So when you say that, automatically people think adult audience, and the X's start popping in their eyes, and they're like, this is going to be great. Or they don't like it because they don't like X's. Anyway, um, it's just, it's just more swearing. It's just, it's just. That's and, what and, most of it's been, yeah. And not in a bad way. It's, it's just like a rated R movie in the aspect of like the f words thrown around, shits thrown around, things like that. Like in, in a way that like makes sense. It's like how people talk. They don't have to. They don't have to PG or PG thirteen it. They're just kind of like they just take the shackles off. And most of the time, so far, from my point of view, there's been a little weird things that people take full advantage of it. But it's been like. We're just gonna write what I want to write, the way that in my head I would hear, it. and so like it's more, it's more in like the dialogue than anything. I think. Yeah, I mean, majority of the differences, like red flag differences, are that way. As far as like tone of story and style of story, if we were doing this in a normal, let's just say DC proper continuity or DC proper style, we probably wouldn't have to talk about her in, in college and the the discourse that other students felt about her. We've still got the rest of it, but it probably wouldn't have gone that direction. I mean, it's stuff that makes sense and like her whole. But even that, even that, the way they talk about it was just like she had an affair with a professor, right? Which happens on a TBS TV show. You know what I mean? Like, the, oh that, no, yeah. that stuff's like that's not that it's it's not that big of a deal. It's just like the random f bomb here and there, and like the way that they like the dialogue flows a little bit more racy. It's just a little bit more racy. It's a little bit more like late night television. It's like it's not even that bad. Like it, no, you know. Yeah, it's not. It's not out of control. The only thing that was really out of control was the Batman Dam number one, and it was it was like pushing the line. I think that was a test. They saw what people responded to and how they responded to it. And if you bought a lot of copies, you made a lot of money. I, yeah, and it wasn't even that big of a deal. It was just no, like it a shadow. It was just yeah. kind of ridiculous. But like whatever. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, I give a score wise, I give it just like you four and a half. I thought it was great. Um, as far as like, if you want an adult fleshed out version of Harley Quinn's origin, that's what this is. Because when you say Harley Quinn origin story, you're like, I already know that. Well, what you but, know is from the cartoon. But has there been that many? There hasn't. That's the thing. So I mean, it has. It's. I mean, they kind of talk about it in Batman animated series, but um, this is the first time it's. 
it's, to my that I know, my knowledge, it's like really just been like hashed out, like full on. The first time it's been explored this way, yes. Uh, they, as far as appearances and and stories are concerned, in the regular series, we've gone over some of her origin, and like it's always been like brushed over, like we rehearse or rem- reminisce part of it, but it's never been fleshed out the same way. And like her very first appearance in regular continuity, they do that. But other than that, a majority of what people know comes from the animated series telling of her origin, which is way kidified compared to everything else. So, yeah, as a thing, like you were saying, if, if it's like Harley Quinn Year One is what it's like. So, same way they did Batman Year One, which actually is more of a Jim Gordon story, so maybe not the same, but similar. Or Batgirl Year One, it'd be more like that. But yeah, as far as a thing, I'd say it's a win. And book-wise, um, yeah, it's the weird size, but... In theory, it's size-wise, like I was saying earlier, we've been told they're going to be changing that to to a more normal continuity size for books. But so far, we've had Damned. It came out in the same magazine size. We're currently in the process of finishing um, Superman Year One by Frank Miller. Uh, it's got one more issue. It's going to be the same size, or it is the same size. The Harley Quinn issues, they're going to finish this way. I guess we'll see where the next batch is, because the only other ones come out with a different size has been White Knight, the Sean Murphy series, which originally started separate from Black Label, but the new volume, the second volume, Curse of the White Knight, is definitely under the Black Label banner. And then The Last Night on Earth by uh, Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder is also normal format. So I guess we'll see. As a thing, I, I don't know if they're still testing the waters or what, but they, they definitely announced that they were going to be making them a more normal size back in San Diego. So whether that holds true, eh, who knows? I guess we'll see. As a thing is definitely a win. I, I would say check it out, people. It's awesome. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, Contagion from Marvel. This is also issue number one. Uh, Contagion is a miniseries. Uh, it's a five-part miniseries. Uh, as far as uh, styles concerning, like, like the cover. The cover's pretty good. The variant cover is good too. Uh, the first issue heavily features the thing, and he's all over the cover. I mean, this issue's, uh, written by Ed Bryson, and the art is by Raj Antonio. Uh, like I said, I, I dig the art. Uh, story opens up. We, uh, join, join UT, and she's, uh, in Kunlun. Uh, currently she's going by the, she's, she's called the Thunder, and is the, uh, one that protects the machine that connects, um, Kunlun and normal reality. So, much like what the bridge used to be for Iron Fist, but now it's being done by machine. Anyhow, uh, so we open up with her, and we found something in Kunlun, and she's called to come see it. Um, of course, if if you are aware of what she looks like, she is she's blindfolded and is a blind uh, ninja badass. So she's bringing downstairs by her. Well, they're not really her minions, but by the other guys in Kunlun and monks. Well, monks, yeah. What we find is uh, minions a, are the little things with the overalls, or bad guys that work for you. Or the guys with the overalls. I mean, that is a funnier version of that. Like, that don't speak words. Well, they make. They kind of make words. They're just their own words. Yeah. That's pretty much what they do. But yeah, so when she gets down to the end of this basement, a new tenant, a new passageway they found, we encounter these two bodies that are really jacked up, covered in like weird pus bubbles and slime, and it's just gross. And uh, she asks where the third person is, and they all kind of look at her like, what are you talking about? From there, we cut to 
New York, and we join the thing who's going about his day shopping, buying stuff in the, uh, I guess, supermarket. And uh, while he's in the process of checking out, this little kid runs up to him and he's like, I need your help. You gotta help save. You gotta come save my friend. And prior to this story, we had a, we had a one shot they did that was a uh, Kyle Yancey Street. And it was basically about the thing trying to save these kids and then half them pranking him the whole time. And this is one of the kids from that story. And so the thing's like, if you're messing with me, you're going to be in big trouble. I don't, I'm not putting up with your stuff anymore. Well, he finally convinces the thing to come with him. And he takes him down to this subway tunnel, which turns out there was a batch of, uh, of people looting things from the subway. And eventually they all quit doing that. And so the kids have just been hanging out there looking for things they could sell. So that's what him and his friend were doing when they encountered a guy. And he tries to explain to the thing that he got afraid and ran away. And when we find out why, it's because this guy is also covered in the crazy pus bubbles and just, it's completely out of control. And we find the friend, she is fully infected also and like rageful, like gnashing teeth and spouting gibberish and she attacks the thing. And then eventually passes out. And then all of a sudden the next thing we see is a bunch of moloids come running at him, also covered in the infection. And the thing's like, that's not how moloids act, like what is going on? And so he's trying to deal with them, and he calls the rest of the four for help, because if the if the moloids are there, then chances are it's the mole man causing problems. Well, eventually we do get a hold of the four, and they tell them they'll be on their way. And then the next thing we see is the mole man, but he is also covered in the crazy pus fungusy things. And shortly after that, the four show up, and... Ree puts on respirators for him and Sue and Johnny, and they're trying to deal with whatever this contagion is without getting infected themselves. And that's when we finally see the monk, and he is just a wreck. I mean, it looks it's gross. Like, way gross. And uh, Ree goes to help him, and about that time, the monk reaches up and grabs Reed's head and infects him, too. And it almost seems like he takes control of Reed's mind. And for a minute... Things get really, really out of hand. So it seems as if when they're getting touched, that's what's infecting them. But like, the thing's not getting inf- getting infected. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Because even when he picked up... So when the, the girl ran at him originally, before she got to hit him, before he had to hit her, she like passed out, the little kid's friend. And then the thing's like, give me your jacket. And he wraps her up. But he's clearly touching her while he wraps her up. So My thing, even with... You know, the Invisible Woman tries to put, like, the protect, like, the protective shield around, um... Around Johnny. And somehow that doesn't work. And, like, even Johnny being on fire doesn't work. Somehow he, like... Yeah, the fire part of Johnny was kind of confusing to me. It looks like, at least from the, the images or the drawings, it's almost like the monk managed to get under the ground and come up almost using Reed's stretchy powers. Because all of a sudden he, like, tentacles around her. They came to the ground... And it looks like her bubble didn't cover the ground. Like, covered them uh, on top, but didn't cover them beneath. Because next thing you know, she's wrapped up in tentacles, and it looks like stretchy reed power. And the mole man called him, like, the infected man or something. Yeah. Right? But I don't think that's a name. I think that's just what he perceived him as. Right. And it almost seemed like... It seemed like the infected man was also using the moloids the way the mole man does. But who was really in control of that? Was it the mole man? Was it the moloids? Uh, I don't know who was really in control right there. Because the moloids are out of control, but that's kind of normal. So I don't know exactly who was driving the boat at that point. But once he once he gets grabbed, the thing smashes him in the face. 
and then he winds up vanishing, and it just basically leaves the four there kind of wasted. Um, from there, we cut to an apartment building, and we join our, our buddy Danny Ran, the uh, Iron Fist, and he is uh, approached by Yoon-T for help dealing with a problem, and uh, that's kind of where it cuts off. So the mystery setup is mostly to show that this thing's impressive, and if it gets a hold of you, I think it absorbs your powers, because the way things act, he didn't use fire at all, but that stretching stuff seems too much like Reed to not be Reed. So, but then at one point, like the Invisible Woman was hearing Reed talk through him. Yeah, almost as if like he was. It is crazy. Yeah, it was confusing, but it's just whatever the infection is. This character must be able to absorb you, or maybe get, get control your personality or something, because the voice was coming out of him. But anyway, Danny's laying in bed, and he like hears. He, he well, well, I, no, that's not what it is. He yeah. hears, he knows somebody's there. He's like, I know you're there. Go ahead and come out. And it's the chick that looks like basically female snake eyes from the IDW verse. She does kind of look like female snake eyes, doesn't she? The IDW, yeah, she looks like the uh, snake eyes from the IDW verse. Very similar. She comes in, and Danny's like, let me throw some pants on. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny, Danny Rand, like, I'm coming to help and save the day. He's on, you know, he's awesome. The show did not do him any no, justice. No, I, I like Iron Fist. I like him a lot. I just like to stop. He's like, hey, what's up? Let me throw some pants on. I was like, come on, bro. It's pretty funny. Um, like, as far as score. She's blind. She has a thing over her eyes. Like, yeah, but she has other senses. It's I like, know, but is she going to sense that he doesn't have pants on? That's a good question. That was, I was like, that's why I was laughing, because I, mean, I was like, a, dude, she's got a blindfold on, like, she's some sort of martial arts master, but doesn't make, she's like the blind master, again, from Jaja. But, like, I was just like, oh. she, can she sense that he has not pants on? That was pretty, okay, I didn't, no, until you said that, <laughs> I didn't think about that at all. That's, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, Score-wise, I give it a four. It's pretty entertaining. As far as a miniseries, I guess we'll see where it goes. I, I don't know if this is something they plan to take farther or not. Um, art was good. Man. So as far as like, just like an adventure, it was pretty cool. We know that the next issue is going to feature Danny and, and Luke Cage, because they're both on the cover. And they solicited an image for issue three, and it's got Moon Knight on it. So it's like all the ninja characters I like. I mean, Luke's not really a ninja, but he kind of goes hand in hand with Iron Fist, so I, I love, like Moon Knight. So I love me some Fantastic Four. I'm into that. Um, I've always liked the thing. I like Fantastic Four in general. I like Iron Fist. I like, I mean, Luke Cage is going to be cool, so I'm excited about that. I actually didn't like the art that much. I thought the art was a little weak. Um, the, 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 the writing is good. Um, I give it a four out of five. It's a good book. Very impressed. Uh, again, another one I was like, eh, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but I do like the Fantastic Four a lot, so we'll see where it goes. I'm kind of stoked on it. Could be could be really cool little uh, miniseries. I'm not sure how many is going to go. I think it's five, if I remember right. It's either five or six. But I'm pretty sure it's a five part. I don't remember it being longer than that, but as a thing, it's it's a mini either direction, but I think it's a five part. Um, alright. We want to move on to, uh, let's see, do you want to do Spider-Verse or do we want to try to do Norman? I'm going to let you do that one. I, I struggle with that. We can do that one next. I struggle with it. Um, it was a little, it was, it was funky, man. Let's see, the book we're talking about is, uh, Nomen Omen. 
is the name of it, and it's from Image. And it's got a lot of buzz online, which I I don't know if that's because of the, the people connected to it, because they're not folks I'm super familiar with. Uh, so it's written by Marco B. Bushi, Boshi, B-U-C-H-I. And the uh, art is by uh, Jacopo Camagni, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, it's C-A-M-A-G-N-I. Uh, it, it comes out from Image Comics, uh, as far as the, the producer or company putting it out. And if you get word of this on the street that we are talking about your book and we don't say your name right and you're a little bit frustrated about it, give us a call. Sure. And we'll do an interview and you can tell us all about it and we'll give you all the, um, list you want. Sure. Cause I, I mean, I'm, it's, I, I, sometimes I don't know how to pronounce things. It's not, no, it's, not on it's not on purpose. So. Well, you wouldn't be the first one either. Jim Zub got a hold of us about the pronunciation of, uh, of one of his artists on one of his books. So. Perfect. Well, so yeah. So feel, feel free to email us and we'll, we'll give you a call. So Zozo Compagni. That's not, don't do it on purpose. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wrong. Um, well, like, I love the cover and interior art. I, I like, it's got the indie kind of, I don't know, it's got a cool indie feel to it. Um, it is very, like magical witchcrafty sort of. Well, the, okay, I'm gonna precurse it with because you're gonna go through it, but I feel like the first half of the book makes sense, ish. Second half of the book doesn't make any sense. It's like there's two parts of the book. It's like I almost thought I was like, did I did I skip ahead to a preview that I missed? Well, there is a time jump in the middle, but drastically, and I was just like. Yeah, it does precursor it with a, a box at the top. Okay, anyway. Yeah, I was just like, was, man, it was like, it was so drastic, though. I was just like. It is pretty crazy, and there is a cool, there's a neat color shift to it that helps with that idea, too. But yeah, there there's a little, it's, it's a pretty deep jump there. So we open up with these two friends that are out on a road trip. Uh, so we want to meet Claire and Mira. And the two of them have already been on their trip for however long, and they're traveling through California. And doing, you know, I don't know, things that you road trip when you're a girl, I guess. Skinny dipping and, like, running into weird hillbilly types. Anyhow, while the girls are on the trip, uh, they both talk about how one is planning to move away, and the other one talks about how she's sure the other one's already decided she's going to leave her. And it's not necessarily like a, a life-and-death kind of situation type of thing. It's more like... One's made a decision to move to the city and do whatever she's going to do, and the other one's like, well, if I get a residency there, then maybe we can make that work. Um, but yeah, the trip goes on, and you know, we see lots lots of shots of them just passing through scenery, and then we come to the middle of the night, and they encounter this crazy truck wreck, and the middle of the road, is this truck is smashed up, there's apples everywhere, so it must have been an apple truck. And the girls both stop, and they, they get out, and they start looking at the accident, and Mira's like, well, these apples are really fresh, so this must have just happened. And Claire tells her, oh, there's a car on the other side of the road. And so they all, they both go down to this car. And in the, in the process of learning about Mira, we find out that she's been doing like training to be a doctor or whatever. So her residency idea is all about like what she's been studying. And, uh, once we get down to the car, of course she goes to look to find the driver. And we do find the driver. It's an older lady and she's, dead behind the wheel and uh about that time we start getting this crazy sound effect and both the girls start getting freaked out and all of a sudden this other girl stumbles out of the forest and both the girls go to try to help her but the the woman's talking like this crazy 
it, the words are the words make sense, but they they don't make sense in the sentences they're in. They're, it's very disjointed, and her word balloons are very. I don't know, broken up. It's, it's, it's written, written and depicted differently than everyone else's word bubbles. And eventually we get, both the girls make mention of her talking in what seems like a different voice, which is crazy. Um, but she comes stumble out of the woods and both the girls go to help her and we see she's covered in these crazy markings that appear to be written in blood all over and she's very, very pregnant. As the two of them approach her, it's almost like they're afraid to touch her because she was, just the way she's behaving was so abnormal. And so they start trying to help her, and they help her sit sit down. And as she's looking at, the, as Mira's looking at the injuries, she's like, "Well, these injuries aren't so bad. She should be okay. Her pulse is strong. Like everything seems okay." And about that time, all of a sudden, we have her like the injured woman sort of snaps, and her voice goes completely to normal. Her speech bubbles even change to normal, and she starts asking about her mother. And of course, the girls tell her, "Well, your mom's your mom's dead," and uh, she seems to be fine. And starts walking out with the girls, and they're both like, we need you to the hospital, you need some help. And she's like, oh no, I'm fine. And about that time, we see her, like, sort of blink in and out again, and then she pretty well just faints into the girls, down to the ground. And this whole time, Mira's had this, like, mental um, voice going on, diagnosing the problem, and diagnosing what's happening, and about that time, the lady looks at her and she's like, you'll be a good mother. And she's like, well, maybe someday. And then she puts her hand on Mira's belly. And all of a sudden, there's this flash of light. And we get this crazy two-page two splash panel of basically crazy orgy in the woods. And from there, we cut back to the girls. And all of a sudden, the injured woman turns into a crazy white like ghost owls and thanks the thanks her and then the owls basically fly off into the sky from there we cut to uh the inside of an apartment and this tells us we're in manhattan today inside the apartment everything's very black and white we see photos on the wall and it's got both claire and mira and then another younger girl with them um and we see the sound effect happening that's a ring of a phone and about that time, we get the door open, and we see a much older Mira and Rebecca. And uh, Mira answers, not Rebecca, excuse me, Mira and Claire. And Mira answers the phone and is alerted to an accident that's happened. And from there, we cut to these scenes of a hand in a hospital, like on a, with a medical bracelet on, and these little other p- panels in the middle that kind of give us an overview of Best I can feel like from what I what they show us, there must have been some type of accident involving, I think, a motorcycle. And from the dialogue, we learn that somebody died in the accident. Uh, most we can assume it must have been that it was a boyfriend, probably, because the person that sits up in bed at the end is, is a girl. Uh, we find out a little bit later this is Rebecca, and Rebecca is the daughter of Mira. So this crazy event in the woods resulted in a daughter. And... It's been a couple days later, and she's got a cast on her arm from being injured. And she is out for her birthday with her other friends. And we find out this is her 21st birthday party. And they make a big deal of it at a restaurant that the friends made her a cake, and it's a unicorn cake. And she asks them if it's rainbow-colored, and they tell her that it is. And she makes a joke about it being, you know, funny that they would make a rainbow cake for a colorblind girl. 
And so that tells us everything we've been seeing since the apartment is being viewed through her style eyes because the color palette is entirely black and white now. Whereas everything before this was a mix of different hues of color, but not flat black and white the way it is now. So the party goes on for a while and they all talk to each other about their Instagram accounts and nonsense or whatever. And then eventually she gets another call on her phone that's from, from her mom. And so she finally goes to answer it. And as she's talking to her mom, she goes off to the bathroom. And she's followed by a hooded figure into the bathroom. Uh, the hooded figure then catches her in the bathroom, transforms from this, I don't know, average-looking, like, bald guy into a crazy, winged-haired, vampire-looking dude. And we have this crazy event where he basically pulls out her heart. And talks about how it's so much sweeter when you survive death by mistake. That's why they call it an accidental death. And it's this whole thing, and it's crazy. Um, and that's kind of where we wind up exiting the book, with him leaving her body for whoever to find, I guess. Um, it's it's really a crazy ending. Like, uh, as a thing, it's... Most of the book appears to be like a setup for meeting the character, and then we meet the character, and the character gets dead. Best we can tell. Now, obviously, it's going to have something to do with crazy magic, Wicca stuff, or whatever the forest craziness was. As far as this particular character coming after her, apparently it has something to do with the accident from the night before, and probably about how her magical birth happened. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I like the art, but story-wise... The story is interesting. It just it just moves crazy. Um, as far as the thing, I could I could see it being a pretty good setup for 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 an ongoing series of some type. And I don't I don't dislike what happens in the book, but it does expect you to fit into the world of the characters if you already know the characters. And being that it's brand new, best I can tell for everyone knowing the characters by name and understanding how they fit together is a little disjointed. So maybe the second issue will iron that out, because other than the pictures in the apartment, we get this new character basically out of nowhere. And yeah, time jumps, but the time jump is just so far down the road that it's a little crazy. Um, as an individual issue, I, I, I give it a two and a half. I mean, the art I do like. I'm interested to see the second issue just because I want to know where it goes, and maybe that's why the hook's the way it is is to make you want to know, well, how the hell is this the main character? Because she's the one on the covers of everything, and the cover art is great. Like, both A and B covers are fantastic. I, I will be picking up issue two, just because I'm interested enough to see where it goes. But as a score for a standalone book, yeah, I give it a two and a half. Um, and Josh, what do you think about that book? As far as the score goes, I give it a one and a half. I don't give very much lower than that very often. I give it a one and a half only because of the art. Um, the art is actually very good. Um, the, it, it, they flow, like, as I precursed this with the last issue, two issues ago that we discussed. Oh, the, uh, Har- Harleen? The Har- yeah. Yeah. I think that you can only do so much as an artist when the writer isn't very good. And in this one, I don't think the writer is very good. Um, I, th- I think that in their head, they think that they're amazing and that they're going with something somewhere incredible with it. I'm just not seeing it. And there's like a lot of hints of this and that in it. A lot of, uh, um, at the beginning of the book, like they're, they're, 
they're a couple and you don't realize it, but they are. And then with the rainbow unicorn cake, she's also a lesbian, which whatever, but like it's, it's little nuances like that. It's like, it kind of doesn't flow with the story and it doesn't necessarily need to be there. And it's like, it's kind of trying to be something that it's not. And I, and it, I don't like it. And at the end of it, throwing like the beginning part is very Native American, very spirit, um, weird tree magic stuff. Yeah, and then at the end of it's like, oh, I'm death, but I look like a vampire, and I'm just like, wait, what? Like it's 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 just so all over the place for me, and it's. I think that the person that dies is maybe one of the moms. Because, like, the two ladies at the beginning become her moms. Well, from what we see, we don't. That, that part's that, that, not I, clear. That, that's what I gather, though. Like, it's it's something, it's that important. Because, like, why would you introduce another character that died that's important? It's obviously one of them. Well, they just mention, they mention that it's a boy that died, though. Like, when she's in the hospital and she sits up, she's asking for, I think, David. Huh. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. It's just, like, it's so all over the place. It's really hard to follow. And, like... I am pretty good at that stuff. Like, I catch things that... You... Oh, she, she asked for Nick. That's who it is. I had to double check. She asked for Nick. So maybe I'm wrong on some of this stuff, but, like, that's that's what I gathered from it. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird, man. Like, it's, it's so all over the place. It's like... Yeah, you... The, I mean, the basic is there. It's like... Some weird lady put a baby in... A spear baby in this woman's belly. And then 20 years later... Death is ripping her heart out in a bathroom in New York. Like, it's like, yeah, that's the basis of what happens. But it's like, all the stuff in between, like, why? What's going on? And not even like, oh, I can't wait to find out what happens next. I'm just like, huh? I, I was, I was just, I, I was, I was very confused. And I wonder, once issue two comes out, I have a better opinion of this, but I kind of wonder if it's built to be a five part story without being separated. Because if it's the beginning of a movie, I could see this leading into the rest of the movie pretty easy. But as one standalone issue, it feels like the hook's there. But there's other pieces in the middle that are more imagery. Because, like, the, the small cuts while she's in the bed, like, where we see her hand with her medical bracelet on, like, all those scenes are setting something up. Because we have the little scene with the fairy people and how she remembers the fairy people being around when she was a kid. And, and all the fairy shots are very colorful. And then we have the accident sites and accidents, the accident pieces are just so small. Like you see what looks like part of a motorcycle, what looks like maybe broken glass, but it's like almost not enough of whatever the accident was. And so I kind of think maybe that'd be something that we'll see later again. And it'll make more sense when we see it again. But if it was a TV show, it'd be like, oh, here's a flash of an accident scene. And like it takes two seconds, but in a comic book, you can't do it that way. It's a full panel, or it's part of a panel, so I can see that. But maybe as a maybe as a full story, so a five part issue or a five part like a trade, it might make more sense. But not all books that should be trades should be treated as individual issues either. So how that fixes that or not, but as a thing, it does get wild in the middle. That's true. I'm usually a big fan of indies. Wasn't a big fan of this. I mean. If you want to take a go at it because you think that, I almost feel like it's it's written as um, a Richard Kelly movie, 
as like the person who's writing it is trying to be smarter than you. If you don't get it, then you're not smart. That's how I felt when I read it. Hmm. So. Yeah, he definitely does that with his movies. That's true. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Like I said, I'm going to check out issue two, so I guess I'll let you know how it goes. But like as a thing, like it, I dig the art. Um, but yeah, the story, it, it, if it winds up being like Harbinger was when Valiant first restarted Harbinger, you really needed to read one and two together because one by itself was rough and two by itself eh, kind of rough too, but the two together made a lot more sense. So maybe that's the same thing with this. Like it just takes more for it to make sense, but that makes it hard on the first issue to, you know, use that as your scoring viewing point. So I guess we'll see. Alright, we're gonna move on to that something totally different with Spider-Verse. You wanna try to tell me a story about Miles Morales? In his black costume? Does he always have a black costume? I mean, he does. It's black with a red, but, you know. Alright, Spider-Verse issue number one of six. So here we go. Ready? I'm ready. Okay, it's written by Jed Mackey. McKay. Sure. But here's the deal. Artists and colorists. Juan Frigari and Carlos Lopez, pages 1 through 4 and 16 through 17. Stacy Lee, pages 5 through 6. Arthur Adams and Federica Blee, pages 7 through 8. James Heron and Dave Stewart, pages 9 through 10. Dick Ron, Carlos Lopez, pages 11 through 12. Sheldon Vela, pages 13 through 15. Cotton Valent, Antonio D'Amico, and V-O-3, Spider Sonas. How do you feel about that? That was fantastic. I think, I think he did a great job. It'll make sense when they explain why that is. I, 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 I'm supposed to explain that? Well, I mean, we'll do it together. We're going to talk about the book. So. All right. Book opens with Miles Morales, a Spider-Man. Right. Fighting cue ball, hitting him in the face with some sort of, um, like a deck brush or something. I thought it was a cue stick. It's not. It's actually like a deck brush. You can like see it on the end. Oh, okay. But the end of it looks like that, but whatever. And then all of a sudden his spider sense is going off and somebody's talking to him and it's like, I'm Spider Zero, Miles Morales, yada, yada, yada. And he throws him in this weird like Spider-Verse thing where it shows a whole bunch of different spider people. Like, you know, the amazing Peter Porker, the spider hams on there. Yeah, it's got a pretty. It's a pretty big splash page with him being Spider-Man pulled into the uh, spider. What used to be the Spider Verse web, which last time we understood it was destroyed. Spider Gwen is in there. Oh yeah. Um, Spider-Man Noir, like the weird, like um, British Spider-Man. Oh, the uh, Spider Punk. Um, Spider Woman, but with the black costume. Cosmic Spider-Man, I said that. There's the weird Lone Ranger-looking Spider-Man. I didn't, I don't know that one. Um, they show, what's her name? Uh, Peter and Mary Jane's daughter. Oh, and, um, Anna Marie Parker? No. Uh. Mayday Parker. Oh, Mayday. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's her Spider-Girl. Yeah, anyway. So, and he's just like, holy crap, what's going on? It's like, come, like, follow me. And then it changes artists. And he's in, like, another universe, and he's like, what's going on? And he's, like, in a weird gang fight between, like, a spider gang versus a goblin gang. And he's, like, still talking to Spider Zero. 
Yeah, the voice is still following him. So, like, when the art changes, it's be- the reason there's so many artists on it is because every universe has a different look to it for this book. So when he drops in the Spider-Gang world, the art's very different. And when he changes, as he changes worlds, that's why there's, like, a whole handful of artists on it. Because the different worlds look different because of that. But he's all of a sudden in some sort of monster universe? Yeah, which I don't feel like, other than, like, having a monster book for a little while, I don't necessarily know if we've ever actually seen the monster verse this way before. Based on like, what little bit I remember, I don't remember seeing it this way. But of course, there's a spider, and there's a monster world Spider-Man too. So and he's like, "I'm a spider monster," and he's like, "Oh no!" And he's like, Psh, "I'm gone." And then all of a sudden, he's in like the Mad Max Spider Universe. Looks freaking awesome. It doesn't. Well, the art's rough, but the idea of a Mad no, Max like Spider-Man. Art, the art's fine. It's just like it's great, dude. No. See, sometimes it's okay to to realize that something's not that cool. Oh, I like it. I like Mad Max a lot. Yeah, but I so don't like Spider-Man and Mad Max. It makes no sense. It's not, it's it's not mis- even in a, like, oh, it doesn't make sense. It's rad. No, it's not very cool. He's like, the Spider-Man like mask is literally a hockey mask. Yeah. It's just not cool. And he's there in his underwear. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm He's not. trying to take the last bit of humanity left inside of a jar and keep it away from the X-Men. Okay. But he's ripped out of that reality so also. Then he, then he flash forwards to Spider-Punk. I think that's Spider-Punk anyway. It is. Yeah. They've, they've met before during the Spider-Verse and Spider-Geddon stories. And then it flash forwards to like this, it's black and white all of a sudden. There's some guy that's like singing, that's in like robes. And he's just like, it's another Spider-Man. karaoke, but it's in black and white. He's another Spider-Man from a different universe, yeah. Like Asian Spider-Man karaoke? Spider-Man? I, don't, I don't know if we've ever seen his face or not. But it's Earth 51778, Planet Spider. Yeah. Just so you know. And all of a sudden, a little girl in a big jacket and a big spider on her shoulder, a backwards hat. She's like, hi, Miles. And, she, and he's like, you're just a kid, and I'm older than you. And she's like, yep, I need your help, because the spider web thing that all the spiders people are involved in are, it's, it's, it's her and my big crazy spider that wears a jacket, too. He's it's so confusing. <laughs> it probably would help a tiny bit if you had read the spider roast or spider Geddon. So the way the Spider-Men are all tangled cosmically to each other is through a web tree or a tree of webs so all the realities sort of touch uh, during the original Spider-Verse we had to deal with a bad guy it's just a web well, it is, yeah, it's a giant web that connects everything together but there's no tree it's just well, a web like a no. bunch of branches from the webs no it's a web it's different layers of the web not an actual tree like no. a family tree that's not a real tree it's a bunch no. of lines on it's a piece of paper a web Whatever. See, that's... Semantics. See, see, that's the confusing part. It's not confusing. It's the web. The same idea. Mm-mm. Exactly the same idea. Yeah. And she's like, we gotta fix it. And he's like, all right, let's do it. Where do we start? And she's like, everywhere. I was like, ah. <laughs> all right. But yeah, we get a brand new character with the, the Spider Zero. And she's now been tasked with protecting the the spider web, as it were. To cure it, then 
oversee it. It's become infected, and so they need to try to figure out how to fix it and fix it from being sick. And so because of that, they have to jump to other realities to find the person knitting the web. Well, you got the bird flu. Who does? The spider web. I mean, I guess kind of. What's making it sick, we don't know yet. So I was watching this video on the interweb the other day, and it, was, it looks like a like a, a bunch of dust and debris, and this guy like touches it, and it's just like a mound of like a million spiders. It's like, and they like go everywhere, and I about threw up. Worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And it was like by somebody's front door, so it's just like, oh, I'm gonna go in my front door, and I touch this thing. And a billion spiders just like explode out. It looked like fur or like fuzz or. That's crazy. And it was spiders, like ten thousand spiders, just. Wow. And he was like playing. He's like, "Oh, look at all these spiders!" I'm like, "What is wrong?" He's probably Australian. <laughs> I mean, I might. I guess that might make sense. I mean, they are crazy, right? So anyway, that's how I feel about the spiders right now. It's just like too many of them. Too much going on. <laughs> oh man, but they had a great movie. There's only, eh, but there's only a couple good spider people. There's only a couple, mm. and it goes in order. Peter Parker, he's obviously the best because he's the original. Sure, just Peter Parker. Then Peter Porker, <laughs> Spider Ham is number two. Oh my gosh! Sorry, bro, it's true. <laughs> then Spider Man 2099, who is fantastic. That's true. He's making a comeback too. They're gonna do a bunch of one shot two thousand ninety nine stories. Hopefully. No, there there are. Is that it? There's only a three for you? Then Mayday Parker, I like her. Okay. And then I liked um Ben Riley Spider Man. He's next. <laughs> what about what about Kane? That's my top five. Oh man. I did five. Okay. This is the top five comics podcast. We did five. That's that's true. Uh, what do you guys score for that book, Josh? Um, I give it like a two. I mean, I think they're writing off the Spider Verse like popularity, like in the Spider Verse thing. I mean, it might come, it might come into something. I've never been a Miles Morales fan. It, it's too jumpy. It's too like I see where they're going. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just another multiverse like spanning book. There's too many of those right now, and I just like. I feel like the book that started all that, like the, the reality jumping, like saving different situations, the, basically the quantum leap of comic books was Exiles with okay. Link, with yeah. Link and like there was a, a different, like, uh, different universe every book. Yeah, there was one guy with like, he was Wolverine, but not Wolverine. It was like the morph was in it. Yeah, morph was in it for a long time. That's how I feel like this, that's, I feel like this is the direction they're going with this book, but with the spider universe, they're, they're trying to make spider people like their own thing instead of just like one character, which I think is weird. So. Yeah. Well, as far as like series are concerned, I thought the first issue was fun. Like it, I feel like it was fun. The grand, I've got more exposure to the other spider verse books beforehand. And this definitely follows those up. Did you have to read those? No, I mean, if you saw the Spider Spider Verse movie, you get the idea that there's this whole like connection between all of them in the universe. Is it necessary? I don't know. It, it's been pretty cool so far, and like the different realities with the different art, like I like that breakup only because it makes it real easy to see what universe you're supposed to be in, 
And the whole time he's jumping between realities, it's because he's being pulled by somebody who's new to being new to doing it. So, like, that is a it kind of explains why it's so jumpy in the middle. Because we jump between these different realities, and every time Miles starts tries tries to start helping whoever it is, save the monster one. The monster one, he's just like, I don't know what's going on. And then he's pulled out of the reality before he can do anything to help. So it, that part, yeah, I guess he'd be just disjointed. But as a thing, it's, it's there to show us what we're dealing with. So, like, I don't know. As a story, I give it a three and a half. I, it was fun. It definitely requires more and is very much a setup to introduce the new character and to tell us the web's back. And if the web's back, then that means it's possible all the problems are back. So I guess we'll see. But, yeah, reality-wise, back when Miles was in his own universe, connecting the two universes together and then the subsequent other universes, I feel like made more sense. And Peter being the main character of that story made sense. Now that Miles is in the regular continuity, and his universe doesn't exist anymore, this is like his version of Spider-Verse, whereas the first one was Peter's. So, I kind of think that's the direction we're going with it. Both things still happened, just this one Miles is in charge, where the other one, Peter was in charge. So I doubt we'll see normal Parker in any of it, probably. Which I'm okay with, I mean, whatever. But I, yeah, I don't know, I, I liked it, I, I like Miles, so... As a thing, Parker's still the original OG as far as that goes. And I like Kane, and I like Ben Riley just fine too, actually. So, you know, like, as a, as a, as a story, though, I thought it was fun. If you dug Spider-Verse and liked it a lot, you'll like this book. So, as far as that goes. And yeah, it is a six-part, so... It won't be super long. All right. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Tales from the Dark Universe, Superman, or Death of Superman, number one. Uh, this guy's coming out from uh, DC Comics October 30th, so a few weeks from now. Um, it is written by Jeff Loveless, and the art is by uh, Brian Wa- or, sorry, Brad Walker and Andrew Hensley. And as far as art in the books goes, like the cover I think is great. Uh, the variant cover, I don't remember what the variant looked like. The only one I've seen is the normal one that I know was good. Um, art inside, liked it. Um, I mean, yeah, the version we saw wasn't the completed version, so there's a bunch of pages we don't get the full full view of, but the completed pages, fantastic. Um, as far as the setup, the short, short pitch for it is that in the Dark Universe, things happen differently. And... There's some guy that looks like he doesn't look, but he acts like the Watcher from the Marvel Universe-ish. It's the character that, I can't remember what his name is, but he shows up in Sideways issue three. Um, I don't remember his name. Is the Judge character that chases Sideways around for a little while? Um, he's become a player recently, but his job outside reality is to keep certain things from happening and certain things from crossing boundary lines. So when he first encounters Sideways, it's because Sideways is just randomly jumping and pop, popping holes in reality here and there. And the kid doesn't realize he's doing it, but his power was to basically Nightcrawler is what he was doing, like from the X-Men. Um, but yeah, the way he was doing it was so haphazard, it was causing other problems. But that's what the character is, I just don't remember his name. But this is the Death of Superman issue. It is. So it's it, it basically is the... Uh the 1992 
Uh, I Dan, so. Jer- Dan Jurgens written Death of Superman. Superman fights Doomsday, saves the day. Nobody comes to help him, really. Um, I feel like it's like it was JLA International times, so like his his supporting cast was like Booster Gold, um, Ice and Fire, and Blue, Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle, and like uh, Bloodstone, which was AKA Martian Manhunter, which was he was in a different persona than I don't know why, and. Looking back on it now, again, which is weird time jump, weird retconning of characters, Martian Manhunter is way more powerful than that, than yeah. what he was, that he was portrayed then. So, I mean, we can deep dive into Death of Superman some other time, but um, it's one of my favorite things that ever, when Dan Durgens wrote that little little history, he went around the DC offices and said, here, here's what I'm going to do. Is anyone to jump on board with this? And they all thought it was just like a little fad thing, so nobody wanted to be a part of it. So a lot of the big characters, like your Green Lantern, your Batman, your Flash, your all the big guns, Wonder Woman, they were just like, eh. So when the story's written, a lot of them are around. Yeah, main, main name characters the, weren't the big The big seven as we know them now yeah. wasn't necessarily a thing then. That didn't come till later. Um, as much hate as you, CBS, give him, Grant Morrison <laughs> redefined the Big Seven and the DC Universe. So he brought that back, and since then it's been a massive thing, especially like the Trinity, the Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman thing. So, But then it wasn't a thing. No, yeah, and the whole Bloodstone thing, this is before it was ever revealed that it was Martian Manhunter. And, like, I don't remember the entire reasoning why that was going on at all. But at the time, he was just, he was newer still as a character, and what his power level was, we didn't know. I know there's an answer to why they did that, or an explanation later, but I couldn't tell you what it was, because I just don't remember. Uh, but, but, but physicality-wise, there's time. there's been times in the books where Superman says one of the only people who matches him in strength and powers... Is Marsh Manhunter. Marsh Manhunter. Right. What I was saying with that is that I don't know if even the people making the character do things had an idea that's what they were going to do. Right. Who knows then? Right. Looking back on it now, whatever. So, but that sets up the conversation. For this right, book. right. Yeah. So, in the book, Superman still dies. Yep. Doomsday they and him punch each other to death. Right. They... they like Superman does, like the two hands together, clobbers down, Doomsday uppercuts. They both die. This is the day that Superman dies. Right. Incredible book. It made national headline, international headlines. It was incredible. It it, it was amazing. Lois Lane holds him. Superman dies. In this version, though, Lois Lane isn't isn't pleased with anybody. She said, this is all your guys' fault. You weren't there for him. You didn't do anything. You should have been here. And then it goes even farther at the funeral. She's like, and then at the funeral, all the people who you weren't, that weren't there for him, you're on the front lines being like, oh, we miss him. We blah, blah, blah. And I'm standing 10 rows back and I don't even get to be up front. And then they bury him. And the same thing happens. And he's like, and, I, and and then she says, I'm the one that goes to home to his parents. 
and then his dad dies. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a different... And uh, it's just like, it spirals and spirals and spirals. So then she goes to the Fortress of Solitude. Like, how deep are we going to get into this? I don't want to, like, miss well, ruin anything, but... Like, being the book's not out yet... I, yeah, I'll just get to the setup, because this is all the yeah, setup. Yeah, let's just do the setup, yeah. So then she goes to the Fortress of Solitude, and if you, do, if you know the Death of Superman story... Um, she know about the four Superman afterwards. The Eradicator shows up. He comes out and he's like, "I was too late. I was too late. I brought Superman. To, I stole him out of his grave. I put him in the healing, the Kryptonian healing matrix. But I think he's gone. There's, I, I there's, I don't, I think I failed. Yeah. And but I have all this power. I have all this power. And she's like, "Put it in me. Put it. Give it to me." And he's like, I, "You're a human. I don't know if it'll work." And she's like, "Just give it to me." And then so he puts all this energy into Lois. Lois becomes basically Superwoman. Pretty much, yeah. And she's just like, screw you, Batman. Screw you, Green Lantern. Screw you, everybody. Screw everything. I'm doing what nobody else could do. And she just... Wreaks havoc, let's go with that, across the DC Universe. Hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned for Sega. Like, seriously, <laughs> like, it just it goes crazy. Right. He definitely does. Um, man. Yeah, let's cut it off there, because that's, that's, that's close enough to the setup. But yeah, it, it is awesome. Like, story-wise, it's it's good. Yeah, you told me about this like a month ago. Yeah. And I've been like, kind of curious about it. I mean, it's a really cool idea. Because they're doing several, aren't they? They are. They're doing a whole batch of uh, Dark Tales from the Dark They're universe. doing Nightfall. Uh, Nightfall, Blackest Night... Uh, and Crisis. Oh, Crisis on Phineas? Mm. Wow, dang. So Interesting. There's That's a cool. whole handful of them, and they're, they're bigger and books. They, and they're just one-shot They're just one-shot right. stories, yeah. yeah. It's almost like the Dark Universe has given us an uh, option to have Elseworld stories that are not just crazy. I mean, Elseworlds did a lot of really cool stories. I mean, Rats on Superman's awesome. Uh, I think it's Speeding Bullets or Stray Bullets, whichever title is right, um, is awesome. Uh, Batman got Gotham by Gaslamp, awesome. Thrill Kill, awesome. Agent 31, I think is what the number is. Okay. Uh, but, like, they gave us a whole handful of really cool... Not the same thing, though. Elseworld stories, right. These Dark Universe stories, they're not quite as crazy, I don't think. I mean, this issue is pretty crazy, but it's like a particular point in time. So I don't know. I would say if Elseworlds was a thing still, that these would all fit there. But being it's the dark universe, it's just a different reality's take on whatever it was. So it's kind of like what if, but not as crazy like, oh, what if Wolverine's Lord of the Vampires? Awesome issue. But it has no bearing and continuity anywhere. Whereas these are just like, well, what if, what if Lois Lane went the other direction of a sad, upset woman, and, like, then was handed the guns to the kingdom, you know? Like, crazy. And Black as Night's going to have a similar setup, too. I mean, it's a storyline where instead of... Have you seen a preview for that? Other than the write-ups, no. Yeah, so then, not, like, who knows? Well, the... the I'm, I'm curious. My biggest curiosity is going to be the Nightfall. Like, yeah. Black as Night is so new... Right. Still, I mean, it's not that new, but it's still it's still, yeah, but, within the last ten but years. But Nightfall is well, a couple decades old, like, yeah. and so 
so, I mean, Christ on Finney Earth. Also, I'm curious where that's going to go. Like, um, well, Death of Superman, Death of Superman, yeah, and Nightfall are, are my two biggest because like they're such drastic, crazy, insane things. Like Bane broke Batman's back. Like he was at his absolute weakest point because somebody like let everybody out of Arkham and let everybody out of Blackgate, and he was just drained and at his weakest point, and Bane juiced up and snapped his back. Right. And, you know, Superman, again, was like, he was by himself and didn't have anybody. Like, he just had to be Superman. Right. And, uh, so we'll, I'll see. It's cool. It's cool stuff, man. I hope everybody enjoys it, because I, I, art-wise, from what we can see, it's it's preview stuff. So that, some of it's black and white, so some of it's sketches, some of it's preview stuff that they're just giving sample, kind of. But, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be good. I think people are going to be used weirdly impressed with it oh, yeah as if far you're as not thing. if you're not then uh you don't have a soul so. <laughs> that's how i feel about it oh my gosh <laughs> man uh well, yeah it, it, it is fantastic so i i, I would definitely suggest taking a look at it because i was impressed by it just in general like the concept alone i thought was a cool idea but getting the yeah having seen it it's it's awesome i'm pretty impressed with with the whole thing, so I mean, if I was gonna score it. I'd say four and a half because that's awesome. I'm not gonna score it yet. It's hard to because I, I want to I want to read it for yeah. like full on, like see the art like in my hands up. But right from what I've seen, like it's it's a home run. Like yeah, yeah that's all I'm gonna say. It's a home run. It's it's cool. So right on. Um, okay, well let's see. From there, we go ahead and run the uh, this interview with uh, Preston uh, Poulter. From the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con 2019. Uh, we'll be back with you in just a second. Hey, this is Steve at Top Five Comics Podcast here at the Colorado Springs Comic Con 2019, and I'm here with uh, Brian from Blue Suede Cartoons and the Top Five Podcast. And uh, Preston Poulter with Pocket Jacks Comics. Hey Preston, so we, we're walking by and we haven't seen your book here, want to tell us about your book? So I have two titles, the main one is a war comic, it's historical, it's about a real woman, she flew in the aviator call sign White Lily, which is the name of the series, and she was the deadliest female fighter pilot who ever lived, she flew for the Soviet Union during the Second World War. And then I have this other title, Guinevere and the Divinity Factory, uh, which is, because not everybody wants a war comic, so that one's a magical fantasy story that combines elements of Doctor Strange and the Great Gatsby. Awesome. Yeah. Well, like, how'd you get into comics, man? I was an L.A. screenwriter, and I would put a lot of work into stories that I really liked, but once you're done with a screenplay, it, they're very tough to market. Really, there's only, like, six major studios, and they're not exactly in a huge hurry to read your, your stuff, so I started taking the stories and putting them in a more direct, monetizable form for an audience. And so I started making them into comic books. But they all start as screenplays. And so that's why they are like a five-issue limited series, because that's how much story I already wrote. And then I translated to it to screenplay. So this is White Lily 1 through 4. Issue 5 will be out first part of next year. And then Winterbear and the Divinity Factory, see it says issue 1 through 5. So we're working on issue 2 right now, because they start as movies for me. Right on. Well, if you want to get your stuff, where should we send them? Where do we send them to get stuff? Uh, you can... Follow me at pocketjackscomics.com. 
like sign up for my email newsletter because I usually go through crowdfunding. So if you can find me on Kickstarter, for instance, and follow me there, then because every every time I do a new comic book, it'll go through a Kickstarter campaign or Indiegogo. I'm also on Twitter at uh, let's see, yeah, Pocket Jacks Comics as well as YouTube. I was trying to remember my Twitter handle. Like, I have to search for it. You'll find <laughs> It's built to search. That's the whole exactly. idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as, like, projects, man, I, I mean, all this stuff looks amazing. And I, I'm just meeting you now, so, yeah. like, don't have a whole lot of reference, save for right. what, what you've told me. Um, as far as, like, other projects, is there anything... Have you ever thought of a dream project? I mean, are you, is this the dream project? Yeah, or? yeah, th- this one, definitely. Uh, well, the, the, the war comic one. Because it's, it's, it's very difficult to market. Like I said, the other one... Guinevere in the Venue Factory. That was it's got magic and it's sexy and it's an American story and people don't really have to figure out like what's what's the deeper meaning behind it. They can just go, oh, cool, magic and sexy ladies and demons and stuff. Oh, I'm gonna buy it. But the war comic, I mean, it's set in the Soviet Union and you know, I mean, people got they got to stand back and they got to go, okay, well. Is this an endorsement of communism, or right, or you know, and, and they they got to ask me all kinds of questions that you know you don't otherwise have to ask. Right, know. they're almost afraid it's going to make them a communist. Right, if they read the comic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you know, like to be like I uh, no, it, it's not. I, I I take a very dim view of of communism, and you know, and I don't mind showcasing some of the horrible things. Like her father was executed during the purge, and so. As a historical character, she's serving the people that she knows did horrible things, and right. part of part of her character makeup is that she's living in a society where you basically, by law, have to say this is the pinnacle of human achievement, and if you say anything else, you may not be there the next day. Right. But she knows it to be a lie, and so she ends up in this, as this kind of like Wolverine, kind of like jaded loner figure that she has all this private rage that she's only able to unleash in battle. And you know that's that was just there based on who the historical person was, and so for me, I like fell in love with that story and the idea because it became ironically a story about rugged individualism because she doesn't feel part of this collective that they're putting yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she was a Jew, and Solomon didn't like Jews, and so you know, like she was under right. no illusions that you know like these people loved her. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, it's more just about trying to find the purpose to do what you feel is right when everything is insane because you know she's serving sure. a government which she feels is kind of crazy but she's fighting the Nazis who are another government she knows is kind of crazy and it's just like when the world is falling down like finding your purpose in your center and sure and going forward but that's not that's not a story for everyone so absolutely yeah so one of the things that um, I, I've been interested in talking to people about is uh, I'm an artist I, I also have another job I, I run a theater uh, for yourself, right. you know, you talked about these started out as screenplays, right. now, now they're comics. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you do to fill in your time? How, how do you, uh, what are you doing to make a living? Oh. What do you do to subsidize the dream? Yeah. Oh, I'm also rich in my spare time. Nice. <laughs> that makes it so much easier. <laughs> it makes it so much easier. Oh, my God. <laughs> There you go. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and and, and you know, like, and people are the beneficiary of that because, like, if you look at like the interior, like these are pretty good good covers. I mean, I know that your yeah, people yeah, can't yeah. see it on a podcast, but you know, if you if you look at the covers for the things, they look pretty good. But if you open up the interiors, like the interiors just look really amazing, and it's because I picked out a good art team 
and I use them all the way through. I don't do what a lot of people do, which is you have a slick looking cover and, and then have a different and then have a different art team for the yeah. interiors. Well, who do you have working with you on the book? Uh, so right now it's uh, and you know like artists kind of come and go. I'm trying sure. to find a stable team, but sure. uh, Blonde is a, that's the industry name he goes by. Okay, and he is a 25 year veteran. He's done a lot of work for DC, like Superman and Green Lantern and stuff. And so he's my colorist, which is why the color looks so good. And he's also my editor. And for the pencils, we uh, out of the Philippines. This guy Jake Bilbao. Uh, I had a different penciler here for issue one and two, but he passed away last year. So I had to find kind of a fill-in who could kind of match the style. But he did a pretty good job. Again, I'm referencing pictures, and you guys can't see it. Sure. But uh, so, but Jake Bilbao did did the pencils, and then that's kind of the the team that I know. Like the letterers, I don't I don't yet have a solid relationship yet where I'm I'm comfortable every single time going with his letterer. Where I'm like, no, no, that guy's got to do it. And and inkers, I'm still you know every issue, I'm still like, well, who can you find? So I'm I'm not quite settled. On, on the other two slots, but right now, colorist and uh, penciler for White Lily are definitely going to be Jake doing the pencils and Blonde doing the colors and editing. Man, I can attest, the art is fantastic, and ultimately, as far as CM is concerned, the whole idea is for them to look for the books, so that's the whole idea. Exactly. And they should, because it does look beautiful. Thank you. Fantastic. So what was your go-to karaoke song? Ah, uh, let's see. I did a rap song, like they like like composed, like completely what? original. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm also a YouTuber in my spare time, so you can play Pocket Draft comics. I, uh, but I've comic like comic Twitter and comic YouTube is an amazingly acrimonious community. I never would have thought it. <laughs> I, I like three years ago, I was just like I was thinking, you know, like you know, like those memes or something, but like where you know. Queen, you know, Khaleesi, like, liberates the thing, and everybody's just, like, worshipping her. I thought, I know, I'm going to make a comic book, and I'm going to make the best comic book ever. Why? Because I don't care if it makes money or not. I'm just doing it because I want to tell the story. So I'm going to throw all this money at it, and it's going to have a great art team and a solid story. And here I am, folks, and people are like, hey, I can't describe, like, how, how, how viciously I got attacked. And, uh... So I'm like, all right, well, if, if that's the game I'm playing. So I kind of waded into the space, and I thought, like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, these two white, nerdy, comic book YouTuber entrepreneurs degenerated into, like, a gangster rap fight? And so <laughs> with that thought, I actually made one. And, and people love, love the song so far, so that, that's on. Uh, that's awesome. But, awesome. And, uh, see, karaoke, I think uh, I'm going to be learning. And so that kind of started a whole music thing, and so now yeah. I'm learning, looking at doing songs. And I think I want to practice, um, uh, God, like Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac. I, I know it's a woman oh, doing the song, yeah, but no, I want to yeah. kind of twist sure. that one because... Fleetwood Mac's great. Yeah, but like there's this... The more I'm interacting with people who are also kind of these kind of quasi-celebrities within the little circle of, of, you know, within their little slice of YouTube that caters to this one specific group, they're like, you're real famous, but when you step out of that, like, no one knows you, so it's weird. Uh, 
but like how insincere these people tend to be behind the scenes right. because they know well this is what people want to hear so this is what I'm going to say sure. and you know like all my life uh, you know we've been you know I'm old enough to remember a time before YouTube and the internet and we always used to sit around and talk about how horrible media figures were and politicians were because nothing they say meant anything right. but now we have the opportunity to whore ourselves out in that same fashion and we do it for far lower stakes than they've ever done it for and I don't we're know. We're not nearly as good at and it. We're not nearly as good at it. So yeah. it, it bothers me, but here we are. So, <laughs> so awesome. Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac. This yeah, yeah. That's a good choice, yeah. Online. All right. So if you're stranded on a deserted island yeah. and you only take five items with you, okay. what items would you take? Uh, I think definitely would my own White Lily comic book because <laughs> I, I wrote it for me. Uh, be, uh, I, I, I don't know, it's weird, but I'll sit down and I'll, I'll, I'll read my own work and I'll start crying. This is so good! <laughs> I don't know if anybody else wants to buy it, but I, I love it. Uh, so th there's that one, and, uh, you know, like probably like a DVD player, I guess, right? Sure. I mean, assuming the desert island has electricity. Why not? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, like, I really love The Matrix. That was, sure. that was a good movie. I'm, I'm hoping they reboot it because I heard they announced something. So they announced uh, a fourth movie. A fourth one, yeah. They really they, that's one. You know, like I don't in general like reboots, but that's one where they really need to reboot it because everybody loved the first 20, movie. Twenty years later, yeah, they everybody could do so much more loved that story. first movie. Yeah, and the sequels were kind of mixed. Some right. people like it, but generally people are like, eh. So that's one where you can reboot it, go back to the movie people loved, redo that one, and then kind of go in this other direction. See, I have this weird thing with sequels. Right. And that, especially a movie like The Matrix, yeah. or I particularly loved Guardians of the Galaxy because they were surprising. Yes. And you get a sequel to that, and it's not as surprising because right. you've seen it before. Yes. And so you're automatically disappointed. Now, if you're one of the those Twitter yeah. people, then yeah. you're going to hate it one yeah, way or one the other. One way or the other, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, and, and, but I think it's, it's that I've surprise been, aspect. Yeah. I've been, like, my mom, you know, she's. Like, 80 years old, 80, you know, she sits in front of the TV watching stuff, but she really loves CBS. Like, I never would have checked out CBS, but she's like, she loves The Good Fight and, like, all of these CBS shows, and so she has signed up for CBS All Access Whatever, right. and so lately she and, like, this friend of mine have just been jamming on, like, just been, been watching Star Trek Discovery. Sure. And so I'll just be walking through, I'm like... I've heard this show is horrible, and I'll sit down and watch it. I'm like, you know what? Actually, it wasn't yeah, half bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that there was a fair amount of, you know, yeah, let me virtue signaling in there. Years, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it's not god-awful. Like, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, There's something about not everything's for you, and that's okay. Right, yeah. You know. Sure. Yeah. Or if it is for you, then celebrate it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I think I don't know. It's, it's hard to sink life down into five things. Understandable. Yeah, I I think we'll go with two. I things. always said a boat. Yeah, a boat. Would be good. <laughs> You're I, not I, supposed I, to help. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, a magic lamp that has a genie that can get me off the island. There we yeah. go. That makes you the second winner. Jim Shooter had <laughs> the Star Trek. What's the replicator? replicator. Yeah, replicator. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like seriously. He's like, yeah. yep. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. All right, last one. Right. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? No, no. Because they melt, right? Yeah, they would melt. Yeah, yeah gross. That, that would be really gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for talking with me. I right, appreciate it. Cool. Take care. Thanks for your time. Thank you.
Brian, I want to thank uh, Preston for taking the time to talk with Brian and me at the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con. Uh, like, I definitely suggest you all check out his Kickstarter. Um, either look up White, White Lily or uh, Pocket Jack's Comics. You guys moving on to his fourth issue. Everything that I've seen, like, if issue one is great. So I definitely suggest you guys give that, give it, give it a look. Check it out. So I think after that, uh, hey, Josh, what'd you learn today? Mm, I don't like hot days and cold nights. It makes my brain hurt and my body feel weird. All right. That sounds like something that's probably a real thing. Okay. Uh, what did I learn today? Um, my frustration with your inability to understand punctuality. I mean, that's always been a thing, so no, that's not like a learned thing. I did learn that the captain likes to climb on the sound bar, though, and that's pretty awesome. In a bad kind of way. <laughs> He's something, all right. We'll see where it goes. I mean, he might end up, I don't know, ruling the world. I'm not sure how I feel about him yet. Well, we'll see. I mean, I love him, but I'm not sure how I feel about him yet. He's got massive paws. Yeah, he's going to be a big cat. I think he's going to be like a cougar. And he's got tequila gold eyes. Which is crazy. They are very gold. All right, well, uh, let's see. Do you have any books to watch, Josh? Still reading Usagi. It's been great. Um, right. You know, I, weirdly, the Young Justice, I like Young Justice. And it's very Exiles-ish. Yeah, that's good. And that, that's why the Spider-Verse, I'm like, oh, like, it's just like, it's a, it's a repeating thing. Um, other than that, man, I haven't, I, I've been kind of out of the loop. I haven't really been reading a ton, so. Sure. Now, the Young Justice, when we get to, uh, I think it's issue nine, we are gonna wind up, it's either nine or ten. We're getting a new, uh, hero name for, uh, our boy Tim Drake, the year Robin. So that'll be, we'll see how people like it. That'll be interesting. Uh, as far as like uh, books to watch, I'd say uh, all this Dark Universe stuff seems like it'll be awesome. I mean, the first issue, great. Um, so I think the other ones will be good, too. As far as series is, I mean, Image has got a batch of stuff in the new previews catalog that looks hit or miss, which is normal. Uh, we just had the first issue of Vampire, Vampire State Building come out. Like, I dig it, but it's just, you know, it's vampires in a building in New York and chaos, so... I'd say it's fun vampire times. As far as like other series that are awesome, they just started a new Ghost Rider series, the first issue of it's pretty good. We're getting ready to have a whole batch of Marvel titles volumized, like Thor's going to end, we're going to get a new Thor series, which we talked about a little earlier. Uh, Iron Man's going to volumize. I think Cap is volumizing too, but I can't remember how soon that is. Uh, this End of this month we get X-Men number one uh, from Jonathan Hickman. I think that'll be awesome. His new mutant run is going to start next month, which is also looks awesome. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of the idea of the Marauders, just because the cast is so bizarre. Uh, as an X book, I mean, I think I think that one will be cool, just because the the characters are such a weird group. Uh, so all those I'm pretty excited to see and see what they do. I'd say check out Harleen if you haven't got a chance to to, to get to get a copy of it and get on it because it's awesome. I guess that's it. I don't have any. I feel like that. There's there's other stuff, but you know, there's always other stuff. I think I say that every time. You do, but it's fine. Whatever. There's always things to check out. That's true. That's, there's that's there's true. thousands of books. Oh, that- Relic of Youth. Sorry, not to cut you off. Uh, Relics of Youth. 
issue one of it came out uh, a few weeks ago, depending when you listen to this, uh, who knows. But as as a thing, Relics of Youth is uh, coming out from Vault Comics. Um, artist is Skylar Petridge, and she is a fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say check that one out. That was another one I thought of uh, while you were talking. Um, I think that's it now. Anything else over there, Josh? If you like action figures, um, there's some really cool things going on in the action figure world. There's a company called Joy Toy. They're doing some really amazing military figures and police fi- like SWAT figures and like kind of science, sci-fi military mixed together type figures. They they look pretty cool. Um, Acid Rain still amazing, but they're pretty. They have a bunch of new figures getting ready to come out. Boss Fight Studios is those dudes are just. They are the uh, penultimate action figure, like three and three quarter line, the four inch figure line, the GI Joe line. They right. they they're like, if if you're if you collect that size of figure, they are the they they are the uh, flagship. Yeah, like the pin- pinnacle for it. They are doing some amazing things. They have some horse. They have a it's called the Mighty Steeds. I think is what's called like, like horse figures, but there's a horse and an elk and a unicorn and a centaur. But it's all, they're all interchangeable. It's all massively supporting customization. They have tons of blank figures that, that, that um, their, their current fantasy line is amazing. I think their next one is going to be a sci-fi uh, line, like series three. They're all uh, doing a Bucky O'Hare line. Just got the license for Sam and Max. Well, that's cool. And then they got a, they, they're doing a seven inch. Is that the Marvel Legends? Yep, seven inch. They're doing a seven inch, uh, uh, Lucha Libre, like a Mexican wrestling line that they just got the, oh. the license for. Crazy. Um, there's a, there was a series that got Kickstarter funded called Zombie Lab. It didn't do, like, there was a lot of problems with it coming out of the factory. Boss Fight jumped in and was like, hey, we'll help you guys out. And they're, they're actually doing a release with them and like fixing a lot of their problems and like doing a wave through them. Like, Boss Fight's pretty much as being like, hey, G.I. Joe isn't a thing right now. Um, we all fell in love with that that size of figure. Let's just do this thing. And they're, they're kind of, they've been in um, China multiple times with other people, um, them and, uh, what is it called, Marauder, Mar- Marauder Task Force. Between the two of them, they are just the, the two dudes that, like, Dudes, women, the, groups, yeah. The, the, the two organizations that are just really taking this and running with it and doing amazing things with it. So if you like action figures and like collecting, and that size of figure, which is my that's my size of collection, go with that. Check it out. It's a, they're amazing people. That's cool stuff. Like there's a lot of cool things going on. Um, Kit Lau from Acid Rain, he's not part of those things at all. He's his own thing. Yeah. But he has just done incredible crap. Like he's. I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's every single figure that comes out is just unreal. Super impressive. Yeah. Super detailed, super posable, like, super cool. But beyond that, they did just cast the Baroness in the new G.I. Uh, Joe Snake Eyes movie that's going to be coming out. So hopefully we'll be getting some new figures coming out for that. I, yeah, hope, hopefully I'm at the same scale. Um, I guess we'll see. Figure-wise, though, there's just so much coming out right now. It's crazy. But, uh Yeah. It, it's, it's a good thing to be a collector in general. Well, customizer for sure. That stuff's gotten so much easier in the last couple of years. Just so many more options. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, keep it like that. And I, I mean, that's it, man. Like, there's 
there's just a lot. It's a, it's just a really good time to be into like nerddom. Right. What we call in the old days, like just there's so much awesomeness coming out. Like it's not, you don't have to be afraid to be a, a nerd anymore and be into crazy fun things. Like there's so many good movies coming out. There's so many books and comics and TV shows and figures and this and that. Just just embrace it and run with it. Because when when that, I don't know, 25 years ago, that wasn't a thing. No, it not was, at all. Was, I mean, the internet wasn't what it was. The I mean, the, the 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 comic book movies that we had were what twenty five years ago. What did we have? Like Christopher Reeve's <laughs> Superman and like yeah. Michael Keaton's Batman and That's kind of it. Not not a lot more no. really. Terminator, Alien, things like that. But it just so just embrace it because it's it's really cool. It's really amazing. And uh, as much as I respect Martin Scorsese, him saying the Marvel Universe, those films and stuff that the that's not cinema. Uh, he can piss off because <laughs> that that was an amazing undertaking that they did. So sure. I, I give them props and uh, yeah, cool. Uh, what's the key? No, come on, man. Never. King of Miners is awesome. No, it's not. I won't. No, it's I won't say it. 